Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. This is part two of the Homeschool Together podcast on terminology. If you haven't had a chance, why don't you head back and listen to part one, where we talk about a number of terms, a number of of homeschooling methods, um, and we're going to pick up here and continue on with part two right now. And and so speaking about curriculum, maybe we should get into some some curriculum terms. Yeah, let's go ahead. So the first one, spiral learning. And these terms are not necessarily curriculums, like types of curriculums. These are more methods of implementation, methods of doing. Right. You'll hear, oh, this curriculum relies on spiral learning. So that would be that would be learning something at kind of, like, let's say, a shallow dive and then going around the spiral. And the next time you come around to it, you be take a little deeper dive and a little deeper um, as opposed to a mastery or sequential where you learn something in order and you need to master the subject before you go on. And these can be used independently. They can be used together. So we, we use Right Start Math, and it uses both of these uh, these concepts, right? So it's going to teach a, a new topic. It wants you to master that topic. And then it's going to go ahead a couple lessons, and it's going to loop back around to something you learned before and maybe cover it in just a little bit more depth or a little bit uh, different angle to enrich that and reinforce that concept that they learned before. So... Yeah, and, and, and a lot of, I think a lot of the ways they t- they try to take into account the patience of the of, of the learner. Yeah. If the learner does not like to sit there and be told what to do and do workbooks one after the next, that can be very, very um, challenging. And sometimes certain learning methods fit better with certain learners. You know, we know some kids who do really well with workbooks. You know, they'll sit there and do workbooks all day. Right. My daughter cannot do that. Yeah, she she needs things that are hand on, hands on, hands on, but also things that loop back and reinforce and and reiterate. Like we're doing right. our reading curriculum right now. Right, we were doing we're doing all about reading and and it's it's mastery based and so you know she she's got to learn those letters and and we're not moving on until she gets them and and part of the reason for that is they don't want you to move ahead where your your kiddo gets you know too over their head in it right they want they 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 like that but one of the things I do we're actually kind of spiraling within the reading because for our daughter uh, when she meets new topics she gets really frustrated. And she's, if she isn't immediately good at something, she's kind of like, I'm out. So what we're trying to do is introduce things to her, have her like, oh, I really have this letter sound down really well. And then we'll, we'll, you know, we'll try a few words and then we'll kind of loop back. We'll do a spiral back and, you know, go back and learn about the letter again. Just make sure she's got that really solid foundation. And to to go go with the the idea of the small nibbles. I mean, when I'm doing these, these reading lessons, you know, where we're doing our letters and whatnot, 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not spending an hour doing these. Yeah. Our daughter's four and a half. And so uh, that's one thing that, you know, we'll obviously cover is time at at some point, but uh, doing time appropriate to your child's age, you know, we probably do a half hour um, 
a day of formal education and then there's art and reading and things mm-hmm. that are extra. So yeah, we'll get into that. Uh, right. So loop schedule. So loop schedule, as opposed to, you know, you have a block schedule where you could say, Hey, I'm planning that on Tuesday I'm doing math and I'm going to do math and then geography and then learn and then reading and, um, you know, art, whatever. And Wednesday I'm going to do blah, 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 blah. Whereas a loop schedule is one list of what you want to do so that you're not worried about what day it is. You just, you do the next thing on the list. And, and we kind of do this, though we're we doing do. Blossom and Root right now. And, and it has kind of a, a week's outline of what you should do. We put in a giant list in a program called Trello, which we is a... We will have lots of discussions We will have lots Trello. of discussions about Trello. But but in overview, Trello is a is a free online planning, kind of a project management, but a planning uh, application that we use. Uh, and we'll definitely go on, over it in detail because I, I love Trello. But... Basically, we've listed out this is what we're doing for the week. And then, you know, Matthew doesn't have to be upset if he didn't get to, you know, all the things that I thought he was supposed to do on Monday. Yeah. Sweetie, I'm not hitting all the math lessons for this week that you put on the Trello board. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. That's okay. That's okay. That's why it's, it's a list. And we'll just, we'll move on to the next one. So anyway, loop schedule just offers some flexibility so that you're not quite so stressed about this is what I have to do on every single day. And, you know, I think... I think with people who are maybe, you know, still working at home, they're still trying to figure out what the schooling, being flexible, doing loop schedules, that may be something that helps people not have the pressure that they're going to fail or I got to get all this done. Because if you have the pressure that comes across to the kid, Mm -hmm. they feel the anxiety and they could then respond negatively to it. So make sure, again adaptive well and that's one of the nice things you know if you're doing online schooling with your kiddo with with the school system that's one of the stressful things right there's there's still there's deadlines and there's homework but you have a a completely new environment that you have to learn in, and that's going to be really difficult one of the great uh, advantages of of homeschool is that you know we get the option to to say you know uh, not today. <laughs> Today's yeah. not the right day to cover math. Let's gonna let's do some art and reading instead, and and approach it on a day when we even can. loop schedule applied to not just your day or week, but also the entire year. I mean, it's it's summer. We're still homeschooling. We right. homeschool on the weekend. We, we would be called year round homeschooling. Year round homeschooling, and so we we never take a break. And not that I don't like the idea of break because you know learning's a twenty four seven thing for us. We we enjoy that. We want to try and convey that. Right. But you know. We want to make sure that we're adaptive. So we have the whole year to play with and we like to fill that year with with education. So moving on, um, scope and sequence. Right. So you'll see curriculum in in general that you'd purchase or even free, but that's made up. Uh, It provides scope and sequence. So it provides the the scope of what you're going to learn. This is all the content that we're going to cover and the sequence of this is the order that we're going to cover it in. So Torchlight's a good example of this. Yeah. And most of the curriculums are going to, this is what we're going to cover and this is how we're going to cover it. So if you see someone say, oh, I really like this curriculum, but I didn't like the scope or I didn't like the scope and sequence of it, then you you know what that means. Mm. Multi-level. Yeah, so there are, and, and you'll find them yeah, more. This in, is something we're going to be running into in the next couple of years. When right, our, when so multi level. Yeah. Finally starting to hit the homeschooling. That's right. Multi level just means that it teaches multiple. I'm going to use grade level in air quotes that you can't see uh, because we, we tend I to saw, try to. I saw the air quotes. <laughs> thank you. We tend to try to stay away from uh, grade level indicators often. But uh, basically, it just means that you can teach a wider range of kids. So. Uh, Torchlight, which one of the ones that we're doing, we can do that when our older daughter is in third grade and our youngest is in kinder, we can do that together. Whereas uh, more traditional uh, school at home, 
curriculums like math and um, depending on where you're at in reading, those are going to be more, you know, one one age, whereas you could find history or science curriculums or geography that could be, you know, wider age ranges. So when you're managing two, this yeah, could be, take it or, into account or larger families. If you have like a three or four kids, right, this, this could be this could prove helpful. And it's it's probably going to be a mixture, right? You're going to yeah. be able to do history and multi-level. You're not going to be able to do math and multi-level Absolutely, things yeah. like that. But okay. that's what it means that it's it's multi-age friendly. Okay, another term that um, we've we've had come up even within our curriculums is the idea of a spine. Right. So a spine is a, a book that you're going to you know, most likely need to purchase, but you know, make your own decisions. Uh, but it's going to be a book that's going to. We have a podcast coming up on getting cheap books. Right. We do. We'll we'll cover that. But uh, it's going to be a book that you're going to reference over and over again in your curriculum. So uh, in Torchlight uh, next year, we're going to be doing around the world study. There's atlases and and there's some other books about around the world stories. We're going to use them every single week. So that's a spine. It's the ones they really recommend that you purchase. And these tend to be books that you just, you're only doing one page a week or two pages right. a week. What was the one? Um, I Breathe Like a Bear. It was a meditative book. That mindfulness, was for, mindfulness for pre-K. For, it's a great book, by the way. It's a great book. And, and we were doing, you know, two pages a day. You know, two pages every week. Every week. So it was a spine, right? We didn't want to have to check it out from the library 18 times. So we just, yeah. So Love that's it. what a spine would be. Um, next one is an extension. So extension would be something uh, beyond the curriculum. So they may say, hey, uh, we're going to be studying birds this week and here's some books that you should read. And then it may have a list of extensions or extensions could be something that you decide to add, but they're something that goes above and beyond the curriculum. So it may be extra videos. It may be auditory, right? It could be sounds of bird calls or it could be a documentary Tor- on birds. Tor- Torchlight did this. Like, yeah. They did a lot of extensions. Within the week, they had a bunch of extensions. That... It could be extra books or extra activities. So anything that you're going to use to supplement what's written down would be YouTube playlists, things of that nature. All kinds of good stuff. Okay. Um, manipulatives. We hear this term a lot. Um, you'll, you'll get it a lot out of the Montessori people. Um, a lot right. of the, the unschoolers. You'll Anything hear you can do hands-on. So it's typically going to be math, but our reading curriculum also has hands-on little letter tiles that she can move around the board to make words and things. So it, it's going to be your hands-on uh, kinesthetic pieces. Okay. You know, so we, we've gone through a bunch of terms. We've gone through a bunch of methods. Now let's talk a little bit about support. And this is kind of going, we're going to go a little bit wider than mm-hmm. just the method you're going to choose or the curriculum you choose and all the terms within there. Let's talk a little bit about support. Obviously, people are going to be running into Facebook groups. Make sure you join our Facebook group at Homeschool Podcast. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug. And follow us on Instagram. Co-ops. Right. They will see co-ops come up. And this is going to be a hard one in this time of social distancing, but there's even going to be probably online co-op opportunities. So a co-op is a cooperative group of parents and homeschool families that work together to um, to, to, to teach and, and to educate. So it could be a group that, you know, your co-op could be a group that goes on field trips. It's a field trip co-op and does play dates and things. Yours could be one where different parents share different teaching duties. So one parent, uh, has a great science background. So he's going to teach, um, a biology lesson to, uh, variety of children and then the next week may have an engineer right the next week somebody else is a woodworker and she's going to teach all about woodworking to all the kids so it's 
uh, parents helping each other to teach concepts that they might not be as comfortable with um, in that setting. Or it could just be a group of, you know, like-minded homeschoolers that are going to go and do some sort of outing uh, together. Yeah, like hikes and stuff. Yeah, go to the aquarium. They can get, you know, group discounts and do things. So kind of like a class almost, but it's a little bit different um, than that. You know, just to maybe just pull back just a tad. Um, a lot of people who are more traditional public school oriented people, some of the, you know, old misconceptions around homeschooling is the socialization right. and co-ops yeah. and enrichment and things of that nature are ways to get that social experience out. Right. Yeah. It's, it's one, it's a great outlet for social experience and, and you use the word enrichment. So yeah. uh, enrichment is going to be classes usually that you pay for, but not all of them are that are going to teach something specific. So it could be that your child takes violin lessons or language classes or swim or gymnastics or dance. Yeah. yeah any, anything that you're using to enrich some part of their education, uh, it would be an enrichment classes. And there's lots and, of places that of, offer them. A lot of preschool families right now may have a lot of this, right? Like, you know, when I take yeah. when I take the oldest one to dance class, you know, there's like a bunch of preschoolers there. That all gets offloaded onto the public schools, enrichment after school activities, things of that nature, sports. Right. We could have you could have STEM classes for yeah. robotics. I mean, there could just the possibilities are endless with enrichment classes, both in person and online. But another great opportunity for for social aspect for your kids. Um, the next is PPP and ALE and. Mm-hmm. PPP being the most important is that's something we are going to pursue ourselves. Yeah, we would like to. So PPP or ALE, so uh, it's a parent partnership program or an alternative learning environment. And depending on your state, they can kind of be used interchangeably, but uh, to, to my knowledge. Uh, but basically what it is, is it's it's a, a homeschooling friendly public school. I know that sounds strange, but uh, it's basically a, a school within your school district funded by public dollars, where your child can go for enrichment. And they can either go for part-time or full-time. You know, your mileage is going to vary. We Every school district in our whole area offers a different parent partnership yeah, program. we're specifically referencing something that, you know, where we are in Western Washington. Right. And your area might not even have any, but uh, hopefully they do. Uh, it's it's a great option for us. We're, we're planning to send our daughter, uh, you know, when all, all of this goes away, God willing, uh, to the parent partnership as a part-time uh, student. So it gives her an opportunity to do orchestra and choir and engineering classes and just, you know, all kinds of things that might be a little bit more difficult for us to do at home or are enriched, uh, like elementary uh, theater, enriched by having other kids there. So it's a great option and you'll have to look at your district and see what, what they offer. So, you know, we, we're local co-ops, enrichment, Going up a little bit above that, we have a PPP ALE. Mm-hmm. Going one step above that, we have associations. Right, associations or organizations. Usually, this is going to be a, a statewide group. So here in Washington, we have the Washington Homeschool Asso- uh, Organization, and they're awesome. Shout out to Jen, uh, who's who's great. But typically, these groups are going to be just your absolute experts on everything legal to do with homeschooling in your state, um, what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, what you need to teach, uh, what documentation you need to provide to your district. They can help provide you that those documents. They're, they're just uh, terrific in that way. So. So, that's, so that gets into the compliance. And that's mm-hmm. probably some of the most uncomfortable 
parts of going into homeschooling because you know if you choose to go to a public school a lot of that's all taken care of you're following the sure. plan yeah. everything's set in motion it's a set it and forget it bronco electric food oven thing with homeschooling there are their own regulations their own rules and again your mileage may vary depending on what yeah, your every state, state does. is different we're your country fortunate. may also do as well you know if we have any international listeners which would be awesome which would be awesome um <laughs> Your area is going to have different rules and requirements and, and rules and requirements are probably the most important thing because if you enjoy the homeschooling world that you're in, if you enjoy this education, you want to make sure you're fulfilling those requirements so that, you know, you don't have some adverse thing come down on top of you and take away the thing that you enjoy. Right. I mean, we all, we all are just scratching to maintain our rights to educate our children yep. the, the way that we see fit. So, so um, the most important thing here is record. And report keeping, record keeping and report. Right. And, and every state is different, but these are just some terms that you might hear. So the first one we have is portfolio. So typically that's going to be a, a, just a, a selection of your child's work. So I, you know, she's done her art projects and math assignments and things, and I'm just going to put things into a big binder of, to, to, to prove all the work that she's done. Yeah, and this is something maybe a you know a local teacher or coordinator may have to review at some time. Right, something yeah, like so that. Yeah, so then... We have individual home instruction plan and IHIP. Right, which isn't required everywhere. Uh, again, mileage may vary, but that would be something that you would do. You'd work with a, a like a public school teacher. It's basically this is this is my plan for how I'm going to educate my child at home. And in some states, you have to have those approved. So this is the curriculum I'm going to use, and this is how I'm going to meet all of my state requirements, and you'd have to have that approved. It may be easier for certain type of curriculums that you choose certain methods, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit more challenging for other methods, say like unschooling, depending on what state you're in. Right. And what kind of planning you do. And we're going to have a future episode about state requirements that's going to have some links and things to how to find out what your state requires. So don't stress too much. But okay. um, a letter of intent. So the letter of intent. Uh, other, other than being, I think, a college football term on what school they're going to go to. <laughs> I thought it was a commitment letter. No. Oh, it's a, it's called letter, fact, of yeah, letter of intent? Oh, okay. Well, so a letter of intent Sorry, in, in this football. arena. Yeah, so college football. <laughs> so a letter of intent in this arena is uh, basically your letter to your school district that you're going to homeschool your child. It's your formal written, this is what I'm going to do. And every state has different requirements about how old you need to be in, uh, to have to do that. Our state, it's age eight. We don't have to provide a letter of intent till age eight. Yeah. But uh, it's different in all states, but that's what it is, your, your formal declaration so to speak that you're going to homeschool so a progress report so not again other than being that thing i was terrified of when i was in elementary school <laughs> yeah so not not every state requires again but this would just be uh it's on some regular time interval let's say quarterly where uh, you're going to have to report on your your child's progress in one of the subject areas or all the subject areas so if you if you see progress report that's what it means and going from progress to testing so standardized testing that great evil that we, right. all, we all didn't hate it. I mean, we everybody in. remembers what standardized testing was. I think that uh, what we just yeah. wanted to what say. Are, what are homeschoolers expecting? Right. And so I think just what we want to say about that is uh, standardized testing, depending on your state, like for our state, we have to do uh, some sort of assessment of our child. We don't necessarily have to have them go through the, 
the state standardized testing. We could we could pay a third party company for standardized testing, but it's some sort of recognized uh, acceptable test method. Uh, to gauge your your child's progress and some states require you to report that and not report that. Uh, yeah again, again your mileage may vary but yeah. that, that's so that's how it's applied here you know reporting and record keeping is obviously the scary part because you're starting to get into the legal and the rules and all that yeah. stuff as opposed to the fun stuff which is picking your curriculum and and actually executing it but there are some other terms that you may see on the periphery of homeschooling when you're doing some and the first one which can be i think a little unsettling i think at first is the idea of de-schooling mm-hmm. so a lot of parents coming to go through that right now yeah a lot of parents are actually going through this well i mean considering it's still the summer where we've yet to do it yet but coming up they are going to potentially be de-schooling and so what, what what's de-schooling i saw i saw a great you know we know kind of what it is which is you know giving your child a break from uh, public school so that they can kind of readjust what I, I saw a great definition earlier that said that it was um, giving your child an opportunity to adapt from a school culture to your home school culture. And yeah. I thought that was like a great way to say it. We, we all have our, a culture within our own house um, and, and our home schools have their own culture. So I just thought that was a, an awesome yeah, way to put it. It's not necessarily you know. a negative term. I mean, some people can no, read some not. negativity into it that you're, oh, I'm de-schooling. I'm, I'm, I'm removing myself from like some pain or something like that. It's not really that. It's going from, you know, sitting in a class of 30 kids with a teacher up at the front of the room doing testing, you mm-hmm. know, pop quizzes and all that stuff and walking the halls and changing rooms and lockers to I'm home. I wake up. Mom may make me change out of my pajamas to do school. <laughs> may or may not. May or may, mom may or may not be out of pajamas herself <laughs> or dad, dad, you know, I, I always get dressed. You always get dressed. I always get dressed. Um, you know, just changing that because that is so dramatic. It's so different. Right. It's really hard to take a student who's been in a public school setting and had those expectations and, and stresses and things and say, and the, hey, you're going yeah. into a homeschool environment and I'm going to change everything about the way that you learn and you are going to love it. Whereas de-schooling gives them an opportunity to just take a break. You set up the, the methods that you want to use. You test out some things maybe and they rediscover rediscovery of their love of learning in, in your environment. So I think it's a really and, important. And a lot of parents know part. sort of what this is like because they were going from their office to working from home, right? right. Big adjustment. Big period. adjustments. It's a big adjustment. It's a difference. It's not necessarily a negative thing, but um, the term is de-schooling. Now, there are a lot of parents out there right now in the times of COVID that are all of a sudden becoming accidental homeschoolers. I love the is... accidental homeschooler term. Yeah. It's it's you know we we'd always planned to homeschool obviously, but that that was you know for many of you that is not your first or even second plan. And uh, so for for those of you who who have to homeschool and weren't planning on it due to COVID or due to other issues um, that you needed to change up your child's education, uh, accidental homeschoolers is the right term for that. Um, next, you may read into and. I think this is very helpful for parents of younger kids who are just getting into this and trying to understand, you know, what's the best way to teach my kid? What does my kid like? There are different types of learning styles. Oh, and the, and the yes, main core of them, the most common would be auditory, kinesthetic, and visual. And there's a few others, but they're kind of within those definitions. And you will notice that, you know, since we are focusing mainly on younger kids in this podcast, Mm -hmm. because we have younger kids and trying to help those parents who are, you know, worried about, you know, do I send my kid to kindergarten? Do I send my kid to first grade? What do I do? Understanding that there are these learning styles 
And when you're doing Google searches on, man, why is my kid not learning their writing? Why is my kid not doing this? Your kid may have a very specific learning style that is different um, than what you would expect. You know, why isn't my kid sitting here doing all the workbooks? Well, maybe they're more of a kinesthetic learner. Right. So kinesthetic meaning hands-on at this age, this young, you know, younger in elementary and pre-K, definitely kids are you know, naturally more kinesthetic, mm-hmm. uh, but they may also have... Um, auditory or visual leanings. So understanding your, your kid's learning style is, is hugely important. We're going to try to cover that in a later podcast yeah, where we can are. talk more in depth about it. But um, Maybe something a little bit more lighter, a little bit more fun. Morning baskets. So is this when I get my breakfast in bed? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, you know, it can be a morning basket or just the idea of basket learning. So it would be a collection of items that you would get together Let's say every morning when your kid comes down for breakfast, you have a basket there and it's got a couple of books in it, maybe a little art thing, maybe something, something, some sort of game in it, whatever. This is something that, that, uh, occupies them while you make breakfast, but potentially, or gets them kind of gets them fired up and ready for their day of learning. It could also be a basket full of the library books uh, for, you know, the learning you're doing or read aloud books or a basket of the, the card games and other games that are relevant to what you're doing. So kind of, you know, grouping your items into an attractive and, um, present, right? Sitting out and available for your kids to take notice of. You know, I I know it sounds kind of weird to do something like that, but you know, I I like to wake up early because I have, I do a lot of little things in the morning, take care of the dog. Most importantly, I used to, when we were doing torchlight, put all that stuff out and, and I know it's shocking that they weren't in a very pretty basket with flowers and stuff on it, but they were not Pinterest family. Yeah, no, we're not a Pinterest family. It was in a nice pile on the desk, ready to go. And our oldest would come down and she knew dad had set stuff out. And so she would immediately go over there and look at the, well, you know, what's coming up for she today. She would, and she would get excited about what we were going to learn for like the day. These, this is a real thing. I know it kind of sounds kind of goofy, but if the kid knows at this one location is going to be all the stuff we're going to cover today, she gets really excited because I'm pulling out new library mm-hmm. books, maybe books she hasn't seen yet. And the first thing mm-hmm. she wants to do is grab that library book and look at it. This is also a really fun concept for your younger learners, the you know, like our one-year-old, to put a, a new basket of toys out every morning so that when you're trying to do something with your older, your younger's got something that seems fresh, right? It's just you recycling your toys in different arrangements, but you know, you're making it appear like, hey, this is a new thing that you should take notice of. So and, 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 lots you know, of good ideas on that. This doesn't take an hour to do. It took me three or four minutes just to look at what the curriculum had, pull the books out, put it together. Right. It doesn't take much time to do, and it's a really nice way to kind of spark the day. Yeah. And it also gets you in the right frame of mind of what you need to do for the day as well there's also uh, you know you can also do like quiet time baskets when you gotta get some of your remote work done or something that this is all kinds of quiet activities in a basket there's just there's a million basket ideas and y'all can this one-year-old needs a a nap time to do some quiet time right right (laughs) that's also a good part um a couple terms that people may have read uh in the news lately i know they're getting kind of popular um a lot of people are talking about them some people don't like them um the idea of pods or micro schools. Yeah, these aren't really homeschooling terms, but they, we wanted to cover them because people are seeing them so yeah. often and, and just wanted to make sure that you, you knew what they were. And, you know, pod and or, or a micro school, from what, I've, from what I've seen in the various articles I've read and listening to people talk about it, is it's really just a group of families coming together and hiring a teacher. Now, this could be in a, a number of ways. It could be a tutor that maybe comes in once a week. A, a roaming band of, of 
like a micro school that goes from house to house. Which would be, you know, if parents are doing the teaching, could be kind of a co-op. I don't know. We're in a very flux time right now. Yeah. And, and we don't know if it's legal, social distancing, all that type of stuff. So be, you know, mileage may vary on this one. Do be careful about it. Um, we can see the possibility of kind of like a group co-op bringing in tutors using set curriculums right if that's something that they do you you may hear some some terms and if you yourself are trying to join a pod you may do a lot of homeschool research because you may be wanting to incorporate certain curriculums into the thing right yeah i think the the most important thing to be careful of is that there's a there's a line there between oh hey i brought in a tutor for some enrichment and i've hired a teacher and i've basically done an unauthorized and unlicensed private school so just be really careful with the legalities and make sure that you consult your state's homeschool association or organization if you want to do something of the micro school pod kind of variety just to make sure that that you're within the bounds of the law so the last one that people may see right when we start when you first get into homeschooling, kind of that first fork in the river. You're looking for curriculum. And when you're looking for curriculum is the idea of secular homeschooling versus faith-based homeschooling. Right. So secular uh, is going to be a curriculum or, or a method of teaching that has no uh, religious worldview, whereas faith-based obviously does. And there's going to be one more type, which is going to be a neutral curriculum. So uh, faith-based is going to use religion. A secular is not. Neutral is going to avoid the discussion altogether. So if we put it in a, just a really easy example, a secular will talk about evolution, for example. A faith-based is going to talk about creationism. Neutral is going to avoid the subject of both of those altogether and, and just not go into that. So just just know when you're looking at curriculums and make sure that you research that it aligns with you know what your teaching principles are and that it'll be something you'll be happy with. Wow. So that's the end of our back-to-back homeschool terms podcast. We've been through just an absolute ton of ideas and I know it can feel a little overwhelming and that's okay. We've all, we've all been there. We will have additional links in the show notes on our website for both part one and part two of the podcast. If there was anything you'd like a little bit deeper dive on, feel free to find that information there. If you have any questions, you know, feel free to reach out to us on our Facebook group at Homeschool Together Podcast and also on our Instagram at Homeschool Together Podcast. And we're happy to answer any questions, have a little bit of a discussion, dialogue, no big deal. Uh, we look forward to talking with you guys. But now let's get to our favorite closing segment that we do at the end of every podcast. So one of the things that we are all about this week, it's Target. 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 If you've had a chance, make sure you bring a mask, head out to Target. They have one unbelievable section right when you walk in is it called the dollar spot dollar or spot like or that? something like that um i don't know if it is because they're they've built this for uh, homeschooling families or i, I, at I home think it's just education. because it's just it's prior a, to the school year i think yeah, they always have cool stuff there yeah and so you we went in the other day and absolutely cleaned up on one dollar two dollar three dollar little manipulatives um, mm-hmm. little learning things. I got these great stamps for letters. Yeah, that, that has really helped our really daughter helpful. advance. So, um, they had uh, what money, is felt, money, felt for, money with a, you know with uh, coins and and, uh, and bills and things and to, to learn change. They had a neat little thing of mega blocks that actually had 
dry erase on one side oh, so yeah. that you could that write letters and you could mix them up or you could do numbers. They have dice that are dry erase on the sides so you could, you know, do numbers. It was just awesome. It's just been a, a great little addition to the homeschool. And also it was really nice. We, you know, I've been pulling them out slowly um, and introducing them piece by piece. And, you know, every week there's a new manipulative for the, the, right. the little girl and she's so excited about it every time we get it and it really helps to spur that interest get her through the subject get her into something new and then now i've incorporated those mm-hmm. into the just the general learning you know what's been really cool is that it's almost like i have another tool in my tool belt you know mm-hmm. i have all these cool things up on the shelves i can pull them down if i see she's you know being really kinesthetic today i could pull out the stamps right and they were very affordable they yeah. also had a terrific selection in this dollar spot area of uh, uh, organizational bins and things. They had oh, book yes. bins that, that fit together. They had ones that, that actually l- allow your books to face forward. So we were able to put all her picture books facing forward in a couple of We've got of a podcast files. coming up about organization, don't we? Yeah, and, and yeah. it's terrific. They had different kinds of book bins. So things for organization, um, all kinds of different manipulatives, other um, wall decor and things for, for your schoolroom. Uh, check out Target. You can't get any of this stuff online, so you actually have to go in. So... Grab your mask and head to Target. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!